Hello, everyone. Redcoat here. Joined by Cientier. And uh, we're going to be continuing on the set about the reset, the reload, and the resume styles. Again, these are styles of handling gross player failure defined as uh, game overs. Yes. Type things. Game over type things. So, uh, last time we talked about the reset style, and now we're going to move on to the reload style. Exactly. So... What is the reload style? Uh, the reload style is a style of player failure management that, at discrete points in play, records the player's progress and state, and then reloads it after a game failure. Now note that this reload can either be a prompt to the player, so it says, player, pick a file to reload, or it can happen automatically in kind of a sort of subtler checkpointy way um, yeah we'll go over some examples later to kind of highlight that but for now we're talking definitions so the thing to note about how this failure differs from the reset style is that while the reset style resets everything to their uh to their default state this style resets everything to the state they were in when when it was recorded yep the sort of feel of this one is that you're restarting after the failure but restarting from a previous position that you'd recorded whereas reset feels like you're restarting from the beginning of the game or getting kind of a fresh start this is kind of say mm, that timeline not so good we're going to just chop it off here and try again from this particular discrete point in time for those of you sci-fi fans out there it's like being a time lord uh which actually is very apt for a few of our examples later. Uh, the games that we most commonly see this in is RPGs, and uh, we also see this in many long-form games. Yep. And so there are many different ways to handle um, actually reloading, because the, the way that you normally think of is the way that uh, most of us were most commonly uh, introduced to it. Save slots. Yeah, you have the option at some point to save your progress. Different games handle this differently. Yeah, some quick examples. Save points where you walk into an area and it brings up a menu that says save here. A prompt to save, auto saves, uh, quick saves, the ability to hit a menu and select the save option. These are a quick rundown of usually the way things are done. Yes. But this style has actually existed a little bit earlier than actually having the ability to save data specifically. Because the password style has also uh, can also allow this. Right. So this is kind of an early console version of handling save. Uh, PCs have been able to save for a very long time in our admittedly somewhat brief research into the subject. It looks like Zork, a very early game, has the ability to save. But... Consoles have not really had the spare space to stick your save file, so or at least in the early ones. So they yeah. used a password system, which is something we don't really see these days. Yeah, because the password system, the reason why it even existed is because the developers needed some way to hook into the game and create the scenarios that they needed to test. The, basically, it's your early debug menu style. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to do things that way, and why not allow the players to be able to have it? And you just say, hey, given what you've got, here's your password. Yeah. And I mean, this is why the Konami code exists. That was a way to let the developer do a low-stress 
run through the entirety of the game and make sure all of the content is there um, when they're not necessarily testing difficulty. And spelled correctly. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I don't know how, how good the localization was in those older days. Um, well, there's a reason why the term English started showing up around. <laughs> this is true, but uh, we'll, that's not our focus today, so we'll move on from there. Yeah. So passwords kind of phased out uh, to actual save slots and those sorts of things as the technology became available to support it, right? Again, PCs had access to that technology, so that was used. It's a lot less clunky than a password. But you lose some of the cool features of passwords by doing that, like special things you can enter in to start the game as, say, Samus in a leotard. Yeah, little things like that, or even just a presentation of a password screen can have interest. I remember looking into the old um, game magazines when I was a young kid and being like, oh, I can't play that game because I can't afford it, but the password screen looks so cool. I was the kind of kid that actually kind of squeed about those sorts of things. That might be why I'm a designer now. Maybe. So uh, what carries over when you go into a reload? Well, the main things that carry over are your progression and the values you recorded. So if you picked up assets or consumables... The awesome sword of boss slaying. Yeah. You picked that thing up. If you saved, you've got it. If you didn't, bye. Yep. That's why the best implementations of this allow the player to save at good points or at least reminds the player to save at good points. Yeah, and that's actually a very interesting point. There's a lot of ways that this style gets handled, and I think that there are some strengths and weaknesses to a lot of them. And I think the stronger methods of implementation for reload style are ones that require minimal player memory. And what I mean by minimal player memory, as opposed to, say, minimal machine memory, uh, the player has to remember to save in some games. And if the player has to remember to save and they don't, they can get real angry real fast when they discover that they should have. So things like autosave systems can help alleviate this problem, although they're not necessarily going to entirely cure it, depending upon how they're applied. Yeah. Skyrim, I'm looking at you. Other systems that are like... A good example is uh, so yeah RPGs with save points. Yeah, the save point is an interesting example of reminding the player that saving is an important and good thing to do, but also specifically managing when and where the player gets the option to save. Yeah, that can help a little bit on what data you need to save, which I can see as being extremely important in some of the earliest games to implement save points. But there's other merits to the system other than just raw technical ones. And as Redcoat said, they do serve as a prompt, and they also have this weird, interesting effect where because it's on your mind that it's important to hit a save point, it kind of has a different feel to it than just being able to save whenever, and then saving isn't something you think about, and then all of a sudden you kind of wish you had. Yeah, it makes it so that the save point system actually creates this space where your tension can grow up until you find the next one. It also does a thing where, as a player, if you start becoming familiar with how they're placed, you start learning a few things about, oh, the save point is here. There's probably something really dangerous up ahead. I should be careful. Yeah, so they can provide some additional function like that. 
There's other ways of doing it as well, though, and perhaps one of the uh, the games that we spent the longest time trying to place within these three different styles, again, reset, reload, and resume, was Super Mario 64. Yeah, oh, Mario 64. One of the things that made it tricky is we could not remember what happened when you game-overed. It doesn't happen all that often, that game. Like, for a lot of players who play that game, they've never gamed over. <laughs> yeah, it's just not common. But it does use a reload style, because when you do game over, it kicks you back to the menu, and you have to go back to where your save file is, and you have to save to keep your data. The thing about that, though, is it prompts you to save in a very unobtrusive but unavoidable way every single time you make major progress, which is collecting a star, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So you can't forget to save. You have to actually choose not to, but it doesn't feel obnoxious or uh, user access control-y, shall we say. Yeah, one of the important things about how Super Mario 64 places its save prompts is the fact that it's always after you've made significant progress. So it's things like if you pick up the Vanish Cap, which gives you a new ability and now you have expanded breadth of where you can go in the game, you are asked to save right then. And that is a point when you as a player would want to save. Exactly. And that's exactly the thing is it does it in a way that feels like it doesn't break game flow. And it's a prompt that when you read as a player, you're probably like, oh, yes, of course I wanted to save. Thank you. Yeah, going back to the concept of the the rising action to the climax, to the denouement, mm-hmm. oftentimes one of the best places to put a saved prompt is in a denouement. Exactly. And that's where something like save points can actually kind of work kind of interestingly because they can serve as both a denouement mm-hmm. sort of thing of like, okay, I beat that save point, yes, now I feel good about that. But they can also kind of function as part of the rising tension. Yes, most definitely. Looking on from there, there's also some other effects that the save prompt can have, but more importantly, the ability for the player to save at any time. Yeah, so this would be what I'd kind of refer to as manual saving to work as a contrast to autosave. Manual saving is where the player can choose to save, which means a lot of different things uh, in terms of the, the ramifications on the game, but when the player can choose to save they have a lot of power with that save system. Quick saving can especially exacerbate this issue of, well, we made the comparison to being a time lord, right? The ability to manipulate time, say, "Uh, this isn't going quite the way I want, let's try again, and just reload a previous save. This can lead to what is referred to as save scumming, which is the idea of, if it's not going your way, retry. Yeah, one of the games that it it's actually kind of funny how it works in there because they actually changed the lore to to match how the players were playing the game. Um, the XCOM series, um, for those of you out there who have heard of this game or have played it, um, you know that the XCOM series is known for being very punishing. Um, if you lose a unit, you don't have that unit anymore. Even losing a battle can really hurt your progress through the game. So as a player, you're almost encouraged to try and perfect path that game in any way possible. And since you're afforded the ability to quick save, that becomes one of your tools. Exactly. And it's a very meta sort of tool, and it's kind of works orthogonal to standard gameplay. That's one of the big dangers with sort of manual save stuff. I mean, there's another example. 
While Pokemon itself doesn't actually use a reload style, the ability to manually save in that game allows you to reset, particularly for legendary Pokemon, to get good stat spreads and abilities and other things on them. And this is important because uh, from a certain standpoint, um, although I can't speak for the developers themselves, but from a certain standpoint, when you look at making a, a quick save function, you're thinking of just making it something that's convenient to the player. But you might not realize that what you're actually doing is you're creating a new tool that the player can use. And that tool may very well be overpowered. It might destroy the experience that you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, One of the problems that I have with Skyrim, I know there's a lot of people who like that game. And so I wanted to figure out why. And it's not a game that appeals to me. And one of the things that harms it for me is the way that it handles player failure. Because I have to remember to quick save... Uh, or manually save through the menus to avoid losing progress, uh, particularly if I'm not doing zone transitions that trigger autosaves. I find that I have to develop this memory, almost this muscle memory to quick save. And when that happens, tension goes away from the game because all of a sudden failure means meaningless and the smallest error can be erased at the push of a button. And it it creates a very different sort of thing. And I that's not gameplay that I personally find compelling. I'm sure that there are some people who do, and that's fine. That said, as a designer, I'm not sure that that's an experience that I'd be wanting to try to make in my game. Indeed. Some other examples of utilizing the reload style. Actually, uh, we want to hit one other particular way of doing this. So this is the checkpoint style of doing the reload. Uh, I believe the Batman, the Ar- the Arkham series is do this. Yes. So this is a, it auto saves at key moments and automatically reloads the last auto save. This is a way of handling it that removes the manual saving capability. So that game you can't manually save. The closest you can do is when you quit, it auto saves. And this sort of setup has a number of very interesting advantages from the standpoint of save scumming is not a thing when the player can't manually save. And it also is less obtrusive and therefore it creates less of a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, when you're presented with a reload menu, it can really take you out of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're not presented with one, it is less likely to have that immersion breaking effect. And moreover, with the checkpoint style, as uh, Santer had noted, it takes away save scumming. And it also makes it so that you, as a developer, can think of things as from this checkpoint to this checkpoint is one section of gameplay. So this is kind of the rise and fall, and we can expect the player to have these sorts of things at this point. It makes it a little bit easier. Well, in a way, it makes it a little bit easier to design different chunks of your levels. Although it does mean that your levels may end up being designed in chunks, and that can be visible to players. Yeah, and the other thing you have to be careful about is to make sure that checkpoints are regular enough that the player doesn't feel like they lost too much progress when they get reset to one, um, or reloaded to one more accurately. This is also very true. You will have to test where your checkpoints are. The checkpoint style is something that is also becoming a little more common. Um, Yeah, it's a very common way of handling... uh, 
more linear experiences. So games that have a very linear sort of story mode will mm-hmm. often do this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the examples that I think of is back in the N64 era, there was Jet Force Gemini. And it was interesting because I remember when I played through the game, it never really told me that it was auto-saving, you know. It was just a thing of where I would die and I would end up at a checkpoint. Um, and I wouldn't realize why. Um, I just kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. I got through that progress and I'm going to keep going. I never really got a save prompt. Or at least I didn't get a save prompt. But one point I paused the game and then I saw, hey, there's a save button. Well, that's interesting. Well, let's push the save button. And uh, I push it and then the text just shows up, game saved. And that was like in like a less than a second of when that text showed up. Now, remember, in 64 era, it took a game a little while to save. certainly could. Some of the early Pokemon games took forever. And so it turned out that the reason why that happened that way was because the game had already saved my progress. I didn't need to push the button. I think the developer just felt that they needed to make the button do something because they left it in there. Yeah, well, and the other thing is providing that sort of thing can work as a bit of a comfort, uh, a safety blanket, as it were, to the uh, to the player. Yeah, most definitely. But it's of note, the only time I ever saw a, a load your files prompt in that game was when I first started. Sure, and you had to pick which one. Yeah, and then from that point on, it was just, okay, uh, I died, I start off at this checkpoint. It was a very natural feeling thing. Mm -hmm. So the reload style, this style can get ill-applied pretty often, like... Yeah. Well, the thing that's a big problem with it is it's become such an ingrained concept. This is especially true on like PCs that are just basically mimicking what Doom did, that it doesn't necessarily receive the due consideration that it should have, particularly to some of the negative side effects, like the potential to break immersion, the potential to turn saving into an extraordinarily powerful tool of the player. Stuff like that can come up, as well as the ability that it has to sort of create a negative play experience when the player loses something fiddly. I know one of the things that I find extremely irritating is when I've done a bunch of inventory management, forgot to save, died, and had to redo the inventory management. Yeah, I remember that was something that happened to me a lot in the Resident Evil series uh, because that game is all about what you have in your inventory and keeping track of everything. And so you, you spend a lot of time going through, making sure you know what everything is, And then you're like, okay, I've got everything set up. Where's the next typewriter so I can save? It's behind all those zombies. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm going to lose all of my organization. No. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the negative things that you kind of have to pay attention to. I think if you're doing a sort of reload style and more of an RPG-ish game where you have some of that fiddly micromanagement stuff, you need to be conscious of setting up prompts for the player to save uh this is where like checkpoints come in really handy but there could be other ways of doing it for example shopkeepers could have a save and exit shop yeah or that sort of thing where you're like this is a guaranteed safe spot if the player wants to save we present them with something that reminds them hey you might want to save all that stuff you just did at the shop Yeah, and even the concept of taking things like inventory management and making it so that there are specific points where you act on them, and those are the points where you present the save. The important thing to note with the reload style is that you as a developer have the ability to control when and where the player can save. 
And so using that to not only allow the player to be reminded when is the best time, but also to control when things are changed that the player should be saving. Yeah, though you have to keep in mind that uh, allowing people to be able to kind of break up gameplay as they need to has its uses for people who have busy schedules. Oh, most definitely. And that comes to things like your audience and also just how are you going to handle this game? Is it something that has a lot of short-form encounters? So um, you know in one play session they're probably going to get through that entire encounter? Or are you going to need the ability for them to um, stop what they're doing and then pick up later? And if you do give them that ability, how do you manage that so that it's not game-breaking? The example I think of is Fire Emblem with their bookmarking style. So they have an unobtrusive save prompt at the beginning of fights and at the end of fights. So, for example, inventory management that you've done to prepare for the battle, you get save before the battle. Exactly. But in the middle of a fight, um, the best you can do is a bookmark. Uh, I think in the later games, they actually allowed you to use two styles of it. But uh, the bookmark is, at this turn, you save your progress, and the next time you come back, you can start from here. Right, but it's a temporary save file. So like you're like, bookmark. You put the bookmark in and close the book, right? Yeah. And so um, that is one way of solving the issue that comes up when you're able to save ad nauseum, or rather to solve saves coming. Now, uh, in the later versions, they've allowed players to turn that on or off. Um, so I guess to broaden the audience, I think. Probably, yeah. So, from there, we've talked about everything that has to do with the reload style. I think we've pretty thoroughly covered it. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about what it is, um, why it came into being, and uh, some of the ways it's been used effectively, some of the ways it's been done poorly. And um, so, we're pretty much going to close this one out. And uh, I think so. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the resume style. Not to be confused with the resume style, which isn't a thing. Yeah, man, why is resume spelled like resume? You know? Uh, because we are lazy and don't put the correct accent marks over resume. Oh, right, right. I don't, I don't do that because, because I type and I don't like doing that. Yep, I blame the French. <laughs> so with that, we're going to sign off. Sientier, signing off. And this is Redcoat, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.